0: Mobituaries presented by Crystal Cruises, the world's most awarded luxury cruise line, offering all-inclusive voyages by ocean, river, yacht, and expedition. Discover a world where luxury is personal. Visit crystalcruises.com today. In January 2019, the St. Louis Blues hockey team was in last place. Dead last. All the wheels seem to have fallen off the wagon. There's a
1: lot of concern around the St. Louis Blues. There's no doubt of that. There's no
0: jump, there's no grit, there's no excitement. The NHL season had started in October. This is unbelievable. A couple of months later, their own fans booed them during and after a game. By January, their chances of winning the Stanley Cup were 0.6%. Not 6%, which would be bad enough. 0.6% the team trudged into Philly to play the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: Um, We have a friend of ours from Philly. He invited us to this bar.
0: That's St. Louis Blues player Robert Bortuzzo. He and four other players went out for some beers and cheesesteaks the night before their game. I mean, why not?
1: You know what? This place is packed with characters. And then there's one guy who just kept wanting them to play Gloria. Play Gloria, play Gloria. So they kept playing it.
0: Gloria. You know the 1982 hit song from Laura Brannigan. So the DJ kept playing Gloria over and over.
2: And the place is going nuts.
0: The guys wind up having a pretty good time. They go home, sleep off the booze, they go out the next day, and they win. 3-0. A shutout. Alexander Steen, another player, says they went back to the locker room that night and celebrated by playing Gloria.
1: Throughout the course of a season, as a group, you try and find things that connect you more.
0: They officially adopted Gloria as their win song.
1: Suzy,
0: and then.
3: Bring out the Zamboni! 11 consecutive wins!
0: They won their next 10 games, playing Gloria after every one. It wasn't long before the song moved out of the locker room and into the arena to the delight of thousands of screaming fans. Who we're no longer booing. A local radio station played Gloria for 24 hours straight. 24 hours of Gloria continues now. I hope you're not tired of it yet because we're not. Let's go, Blues, baby. Lifelong fan Jim Patton got a Play Gloria tattoo. So I'll be forever linked with the Blues and with Laura Branigan. And then naturally, fans started asking for Laura Branigan to come sing Gloria in person.
4: I thought oh, it would be cool if they brought her in for one of the games.
0: But there was one problem.
4: Jeez, so she died? Yeah. Oh.
0: Laura Branigan died in her sleep in 2004. Five seconds to go, and but in 2019, her chart-topping it's hit took the Blues the all the way to the top.
1: The wait is over, and the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history.
0: That's right. In five months, they went from number 31 to number one. Worst to first. I will go to my grave singing Gloria. So who was Laura Brandigan
4: anyway?
1: Even her neighbors didn't know who she was. A yeah, really underrated singer. Ever since she was a little kid, she could sing.
4: There was like a little mischievous secret to that smile. And while I'm at it, who's Gloria?
1: She's a little cuckoo. I, I'm not positive, but I think it's about a mentally disturbed woman. Was she a
3: prostitute, Gloria?
0: From CBS Sunday morning and Simon and Schuster, I'm Moraka. And this is Mobituaries. This Mobit, Laura Brannigan, August 26th, 2004, death of a singer, life of a song. Well,
1: I wasn't a big Laura Brannigan fan back then, but I certainly am now. I certainly am.
3: What did we listen to before Laura Branigan? <laughs> was there a before Laura
0: Branigan? This is my best friend, Mario. We grew up together, listening to mostly show tunes.
3: Me. We both loved Cats. We had the record. And you pointed out
0: that the LP was better because, especially if it was a double LP, because you could look at all the pictures of all the cats. Broadway cast albums were an important part of our lives
3: and our friendship.
4: Don't cry for me, Argentina.
3: For Evita, you didn't have the Broadway cast album you had. I had the original Patti LuPone, original Broadway cast album. I thought you had Elaine Page. I had pre-Elaine Page. Julie Covington was the concert version.
0: Whoa! But while she wasn't a Broadway person, Laura Branigan captivated
3: us. The whisper
2: in the morning
3: Her voice is great. Oh, it's an amazing voice. And in fact, that's how I learned what four octave means. She came along and I read some article about her four octave range. I mean, she's obviously an attractive, pretty woman, but they never sort of marketed her effectively that way. So all she was selling really was the voice. But also, she was, as talented as she was, and with her voice being so amazing, she was like a really average-seeming person, like an accessible-seeming right. Yep. person, right? Mm-hmm. But you could imagine sort of being friends with this woman. Yes, or even I, I could have imagined her going to Pyle Junior High,
0: seriously. Totally. And even though she didn't go to Junior High with us, it turns out our feelings on Laura, or Lori as she was known growing up, were pretty right on.
1: Yeah, she would sign anybody's autograph. She's just the same sweet kid we knew with fame. Mark Brannigan is Laura's older brother.
0: He hasn't spoken publicly about his sister since she died in 2004. So was she known around the neighborhood as the kid with the pipes? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, my God, could she sing? As a family, we used to sing in church together sometimes. Is that right? Yeah, Christmas, we'd, we'd go around and sing Christmas carols in front of our neighbor's house. The whole family? Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you couldn't sing you know, in the Brannigan household, which I can't really do. <laughs> you were the off-key one. I was the off-key one. <laughs> Laura was born in
0: 1952, the fourth of five kids, to Jimmy and Kathleen Brannigan. And this musical Irish Catholic family lived in the small town of Armonk, New York. When she was little, did she say, I want to be a big recording star?
1: No, she was very shy. It was never, she never tried to get attention to herself. She just liked to sing and, oh, okay, great. And then I heard her sing, seriously. I just was like, holy shit, you know? And were your parents supportive of her aspirations? Yeah, they really were, especially my mother. Yeah,
0: no surprise there. Mark says their mom performed on a radio talent show as a kid
1: and always sang around the house. All the neighborhood kids used to come around outside the window where my mother would wash the dishes, and they'd sit there. She wouldn't know we were out there, and she would sing, and, and then all the little kids would clap. What would she sing when she was washing dishes? Contemporary music from her uh, background, and I don't remember exactly. And Oh, yeah, she Do-ra-lo-ra. sang that oh, really? all the time.
0: Do-ra-lo-ra-la. She'd
1: put all the kids to bed, and we'd make her sing to us. It was great.
0: There she that, is. There she is. Looks Allie Ryerson was one of Laura's best friends at Byram Hills High. Let's see. We're looking at their high school yearbook. Oh, that's me. Ah, <laughs> look at you with the flute there. <laughs> with the flute. Allie is a professional flautist. Too deep. So I couldn't resist making a request. Oh, That's great.
4: to remember it. (laughs) Love that. Wow. What
0: was Armonk like as a place to grow up?
4: It was great. You know, I guess what they call a New York bedroom community. Did they have a nice house? They were middle class. Where they lived, it it was not like the ritzy part of Armonk.
0: What was her style in high school? When she walked down the hall, was it like,
4: there's Lori? She had long, dark, flowing hair. It was always... The perfect messy look. And I don't think on purpose at all, It would, that was the way that Lori looked. She was very striking, but in a very natural way.
0: Laura starred in the high school musical senior year.
4: I think it was Pajama
0: Game. Uh, oh my, so she played Babe. Yes. That's, I mean, that's a big belt role. You got to yeah. have a big voice well, for that. That's
4: the kind of voice she had. One of the things I remember about her was her ability, her natural ability to harmonize. Which is hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. She just had a great ear.
0: Now, Allie doesn't remember Mrs. Branigan as exactly happy-go-lucky. She was
4: stern. That's what I remember.
0: As Allie recalls, Laura's mom was working in a dress shop. And one time, the two teenage girls were gabbing in the ladies'
4: room. And... I don't remember sitting on it, but for some reason, the sink came out of the wall. Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You sat on the sink in the ladies' room and it came out.
4: We denied that we sat on it, but we might have hit it, and her mother was, like, kind of furious.
0: Well, okay, you did rip the sink out of the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) I'm kind of on Mrs. Brannigan's side on this one. (laughs)
4: When I think back to it, I think you might be right.
0: (laughs) Laura wasn't the only Brannigan trying to pull one over on her mother. (laughs) My kid brother.
1: Billy. Billy. He put marijuana plants on the roof. You had a rooftop marijuana garden. Yes. (laughs) And my mother fertilized it. Your mother (laughs) didn't realize. Yeah. You know, along with her roses.
0: And she's probably watering there going, it's a great day for the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about your your sister
1: pulling pranks. Oh, God. The best thing she did, she had a friend named Ethan who was going over to prep school and, and taking the SS France.
0: Laura and Allie and their friend Lisa went to see this friend off on a cruise ship. One thing led to another.
1: We're
4: giggling and a little tipsy. when I said, why don't we just stay on the ship? So we did.
0: Yep. the three girls stowed away. And once they were found, it was too late to turn back.
4: We're on our own. It's a five-day crossing.
0: Their parents are called, but the punishment will have to wait. The girls are given cabins, and voila, they're on vacation.
4: We have five French waiters for the three of us. I know. They gave us a bottle of wine.
0: I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie starring <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, Lauren Bacall, and Betty Grable or something Thank like that. Thank you. <laughs> so,
4: right. Was there any romance on the ship? Well, one of our waiters, Mario. I knew it was going to be a
0: waiter
1: when <laughs> you mentioned the five waiters.
4: I had a little flirtation with him. I don't know about Lori.
0: But Allie does have a distinct memory from that trip of Laura doing what she loved most.
4: A, f- a few times, I don't know if it was like a ballroom or a lounge or something like that, an empty room with a grand piano, I would find Lori in there at the piano playing and singing. That's a wonderful yeah,
1: memory. Yeah, I know. I remember
4: the time
2: that you gave me The rose that lay pressed in
0: After high school, Laura moved to New York City to study drama. She joined the folk rock band Meadow. I'm getting a strong Godspell vibe here. This was the early 70s, after all. And a few years later, she hit the road as a backup singer for Leonard Cohen. Then she landed a big-time manager, Sid Bernstein, the man who brought the Beatles to America. He called Laura the next Judy Garland. Soon, she booked a TV commercial for 3M. It was the first time a lot of people saw and heard her.
1: Ranigan, we have
0: and Sid got her in a room with legendary Atlantic Records head, Ahmet
1: Erdogan. She sang two songs. I got up and I said, Laura, you're going to be an Atlantic artist, and I think you're going to be a star.
0: But for a couple of years, it was touch and go. They knew Laura was great, but they couldn't figure out exactly what to do with her. She recorded a bunch of material. But her first albums got shelved. Until finally, something clicked.
3: has an amazing beginning because instead of yeah instead of like, like sort of like slowly building up it just like announces it's coming the song it was like jumper cables so yeah.
2: You're always on the run now.
3: it is a song with velocity right velocity it has its own velocity and you are not going to get in the way it is going to pummel you down Yep. It's what Eye of the Tiger tried to be, right? Eye of the Tiger was a perfectly fine pop song in its day. But it was like saying, boom, 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 we are doing this. And Gloria doesn't try to do that. It just does it.
0: Gloria was Laura Branigan's breakout hit, a certified platinum single that earned her a Grammy nomination and a spot on the TV police drama, K, Chips. I'd like a chance to
2: audition for you with the Cadillac Foxes. Um, why don't you listen to our tape here? Cadillac Foxes.
0: While it hovered at number two on the charts and never quite made it to the tippy top, Gloria stayed on the Billboard Hot 100 for 36 weeks. If you don't like doing the math, that's eight and a half months. If I were doing a soundtrack for my day... I wouldn't know where to put it because it works well getting out of bed. The alarm goes off. Yeah. Walking to work. Yeah. It works for like striding down the hallway and delivering some paper that's, that the boss is going to rave about.
3: Isn't it odd there have not been covers? I can't think of any mainstream hit that has either successfully sampled or covered Gloria. And Laura kept it up. 1983, 84. 85 a new album every year with more top 10 hits One of the things that really kind of gets my craw is when people think she's a one hit wonder She's not a one hit wonder oh. 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 oh oh arm All right let's
0: talk about <laughs> these other songs a little bit Self Control is a whole topic Oh it's an it's- entire podcast you
2: take
0: It's a great song it's sort of a complex song. I live among the creatures
2: of the night. I haven't got the will to try and fight.
3: I remember the video being so weird. Like she was, she was kind of like in this house of horrors type thing. Everyone had these creepy masks. It was a little sort of eyes wide shut. Hi. The director
0: of the self-control video, music video, is William Friedkin. Oh, right. Yes.
3: The Exorcist, The French Connection, The Boys in the Band, and Self Control, The Video. Yes. But she had three really big hits. She had Gloria, Self Control, Solitaire. I mean, I'd, I'd throw in there How Am I Supposed to Live Without? That you? was a big hit.
0: That's right, Laura was the first to sing this song, written by a then-unknown Michael Bolton. She gave his career a huge boost. Another songwriter who hit it big with Laura, Diane Warren. Even if you don't know her name, you definitely know her songs.
2: If I could turn back
4: time.
0: Diane's work includes songs for Cher, Aerosmith, Celine Dion, Lady Gaga, and a lot more. But before all of them, there was Laura Branigan. Was that a breakthrough for you when she sang Solitaire? I mean, it was the first time anything with my name on it went top ten, so it was pretty cool. Diane was just starting out when she wrote new English lyrics to a French song called Solitaire. Laura sang it, and the song went to number seven. How would you describe her
2: voice? It was ballsy, and it had power, and it had passion. It's just one of those just larger-than-life voices. I mean, I love those kind of voices.
0: And when Diane Warren says a voice has power, I mean, you're the authority on that.
2: To me, she's one of the best singers I ever worked with.
0: Hi, it's Mo. If you're enjoying Mobituaries, the podcast, may I invite you to check out Mobituaries, the book? it's chock full of stories not in the podcast. Celebrities who put their butts on the line, sports teams that threw in the towel for good, forgotten fashions, defunct diagnoses, presidential candidacies that cratered, whole countries that went kaput, and dragons. Yes, dragons. You see, people used to believe that dragons were real until... Just get the book. You can order Mobituaries, the book, from any online bookseller or stop by your local bookstore. And look for me when I come to your city. Tour information and lots more at mobituaries.com. Like Solitaire, several of Laura's early hits were English-language covers of European songs. It might surprise you that Gloria was originally an Italian love song by the singer Umberto Tosi. They changed the lyrics and, as Laura put it, gave it an American kick. And with that kick... It
4: soared.
0: It's been featured every place, from Flashdance to South Park, Grand Theft Auto to the assassination of Gianni Versace. Let's face it, the St. Louis blues needed Gloria, not the other way around. What is it about a song like Gloria that it just keeps coming back?
2: I mean, it's a great melody, A, and then what that lyric is singing about this character, like this happy music, an ebullient melody with this kind of a tragic character.
0: The lyrics certainly don't describe a happy character. I think you've got to slow down before you start to blow it. I think you're headed for a breakdown, so be careful not to show it.
2: What happens, I think, with so many people is they get in the fast lane and they lose the essence of themselves and they're so concerned with
0: keeping up. That's Laura herself weighing in on the meaning of the song.
2: And so what I'm doing in the song, "Glory" is telling her, glory, you better slow down, honey. That was in
0: 1983. And just a few years later, Laura's career did slow down much sooner than she probably wanted. In 1984... She had her last top 20 hit, The Lucky One. What happened? Laura's relatable, she's beautiful, and she's got that voice.
2: Um, You know, when I first got into this business, I knew nothing about it. And um, I got involved with the wrong people. They could have gone the next step and really developed her as an artist. This is
0: Diane Warren again. She should have had a long career. Turns out the cracks were starting to show early. She fired her manager, Sid Bernstein, just as Gloria was climbing the charts. Her relationship with her next manager ended up in a legal dispute. Then someone new took the helm.
2: I know you're married to your manager. That's right. He's in a supporting role. You can trust him.
0: Yes. Laura had married attorney Larry Krutek nine months after meeting him in 1978. Krutek was closely involved with her career from the very beginning. I wasn't able to gather much insight into him or their relationship, though. Diane Warren only remembers one thing about him.
2: I remember him wearing really tight leather pants. (laughs)
1: That's
0: what I remember. And I don't sense a lot of love lost between
1: Laura's brother Mark and his brother-in-law. We didn't fight with him, but we, there was no simpatico between us. I'd give him a, a holiday card, and <laughs> you know, happy Thanksgiving and, you know.
0: And Laura's high school friend, Allie, never even met him.
4: You know, Lori kind of drifted off. And how did you feel about that? I was sad and a little bit disappointed. In those days, you would print postcards and mail them out. Lori was on my mailing list, and I would always write a note to her.
0: Did you see each other speak at all during the 1970s, that whole decade?
4: I don't think we did.
0: You never got any response?
4: Nothing. Nothing.
0: Laura also fell out of touch with her former bandmates from Meadow. One explanation may be that she basically needed to erase five years from her life— You see, fans thought Laura was born in 1957. The truth is, she was born
3: in 1952. The record company made her do it, and the only way we even found out about it was because many years after her death, the AP issued a correction. I remember reading on my computer and being kind of stunned. Mario's right. The Associated Press issued a correction to her obituary
0: almost 13 years after Laura died. But how did the AP even find out?
4: It all started in uh, spring 2014.
0: This is Swedish Laura Branigan superfan Stieg Akje Persson. Many people just call me Stieg. A retiree living in a Swedish seaside village, Stieg spent hundreds of hours on his computer doing research.
4: I love it. People are collecting Stamps or whatever, I am collecting all stuff I can found of Laura Brannigan.
0: One thing this Swedish sleuth uncovered, a great photo of the Brannigan family in their kitchen together in 1954. There's baby Laura right in the middle. It was a gold mine. I think the real significance in this news coming to light, when Laura finally broke out with Gloria, she was 30 years old. Not old in normal people terms, but certainly not young in the pop music world. When you first heard the age she was putting out there, did you kind of roll your eyes and go, oh, come on?
4: It didn't bother me as far as Lori was concerned. I knew that that wasn't her choice. She would follow her team. And I think she was right to. It's hard. It, it Yeah.
0: Navigating the music business, pop stardom, trying to stay on top while doing what's right for you, for your career, it's a lot. Heading into the 1990s, she was still putting out albums, but they were fewer and farther in between.
3: So, why such a long time? There are lots of obsessive Laura Branigan fans out there that are wondering, where have you been? (laughs) Everybody says that.
0: That's TV and radio host Ernie Manouse, talking to Laura about her 1993 album, Over My Heart.
3: Does your management ever say to you, Laura, don't do this again. Do not take three years. We need you out there. No, well, I have a new
4: manager, Frank DeLeo. Oh, so I took care of the old one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yup,
0: she'd taken on yet another manager. But the hits had dried up. How frustrating it must have been to be Laura in the 90s when she knew she could still sing the hell out of a song. But the songs weren't going to her. Laura believed that this one would have put her back on top. Celine Dion's hit from Titanic, My Heart Will Go On.
4: I know. (laughs) That would have been perfect. That would have been
0: it. You can hear the frustration in her voice on this phone call.
4: I can hear you sing again. (laughs)
0: And I can hear her singing it. Why is it you have that magic? When Laura started out, her motivations seemed so pure. After Gloria hit, she went on American Bandstand, and Dick Clark asked her about her future. Starting out, what do you hope for the next 10 years?
2: I just always want to sing.
0: I just always want to sing. Now contrast that with Madonna, who was on just over a year later. What are your dreams? What's left?
1: Mm, To rule the world.
0: (laughs) There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this
1: is Madonna.
0: I don't think Laura wanted to rule the world, but I don't think she wanted to fade away either. In any case, Over My Heart turned out to be Laura's last album. Not long after its release, her husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. Laura put her career on hold to take care of him. He died two years later in 1996. Around the same time, her older brother Jimmy died. Then, a few years later, she fell from a ladder and broke both her legs. The grueling recovery meant more time away from her music.
1: Here's her brother Mark again. That was a lot for her to deal at that time. Really, really tough. The rehab of that. Monstrous. Monsters. And, um, you know, the public, they want to hear you. And if they don't hear you and see you, it's not that they forget about you. It's just that you're not on their mind. But for a group of die-hard fans, Laura was and
0: still is on their hey, minds. Can you tell me where the Spirit of Love event is?
3: Remember that woman on the phone
0: with Laura? Hi there. That's Kathy Golick. I'm Mo. I'm Kathy. You're Kathy? Yes. I met her at a Hilton Garden Inn on Long Island, New York, where she was holding this year's Spirit of Love Memorial Gathering, an annual meeting of Laura Branigan fans. When we come back to the hotel, it's like seeing family there. Kathy started as a fan, became a friend, and now keeps Laura alive online. If you follow Laura Branigan on Twitter, you're reading Kathy's posts. She was even in St. Louis when the Blues won the Stanley
3: Cup. Glorious played, and they would play it three or four times, so we were one of the last ones to leave the arena.
0: Tell me the truth. Did you know anything about pro ice hockey before this? Casually, casually. She's filled one of the hotel conference rooms with memorabilia. I spotted a German movie poster. Laura Friendigan and Ruth Gordon?
4: Okay. That's Laura
0: dubbed into German in the 1985 movie Muggsy's Girls. Sort of like a female animal house. In case you haven't seen Mugsy's Girls, it's about a sorority that enters a mud wrestling competition in Las Vegas in order to save their house. It's not Shakespeare, but hey, Ruth Gordon was on board. Legend, a oh, great yeah, actress.
3: Right, right. Even years after they had made this movie together, she used to get together with Laura at the Russian Tea Room.
0: Do you say so, Laura w- had grander ambitions as an actress? I think she did. Yeah. I think she did. Yeah. Kathy plans activities for the whole weekend, no matter what the turnout. And this year, the turnout was modest with just four fans. One of those diehards is Colin Strong. This is my fourth year. In a row? Fourth year in a row. I'm a merchant mariner. So I go different places around the world. Uh, South Korea, Japan, Dubai. And Long Island. This past year, Colin brought something special to the event. A trophy that Laura won in Tokyo yeah, in 1984. It, but... And this is a grand prize. Whoa, <laughs> it's this a... is happy. I'm not Why faking not it. Should... This thing is a big Colin found it on eBay. And can I ask, was it expensive? Uh, a little bit. I'll take that as a yes. Superfan Scott Thomas came up from Virginia.
1: Last night at the beach, we were just sitting around having a little reflection. You know, everybody got two roses and we tossed them into the ocean for.
0: Do you feel a bond with the other fans? Definitely. Scott met Laura after a 1987 show in Virginia Beach, where he says she invited him to take a ride in her limo. But nothing happened, so,
1: I mean, hugging, kissing, stuff like that, that's about it.
0: Now, Scott was already dating the woman he's now married to. And how does she feel about his trip to New York this weekend? Didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit. And finally... I'm a lighthouse keeper with the Canadian Coast Guard. Stanley Westhaver. And you're holding a candle, as it were, for Laura. (laughs) Stanley came by himself. He didn't know anyone here. He traveled 3,000 miles from British Columbia, Canada because of Laura
1: Branigan. I could possibly say I'm here today because of her in a more literal sense. I had a very bad personal breakup in 1992, and it was her voice that called me back from the edge.
0: Stanley senses something deeply empathetic in Laura's voice. It's almost as though she's speaking to you
1: in a way saying, I've been there even now.
0: This heartrending sound isn't something that just super fans hear. It's something people noticed about Laura from the beginning. You have a, a soulful quality in your, in, in your voice, Al- you. almost a sadness. That's Johnny Carson interviewing Laura back in
3: 1985. Have you ever listened
2: to Edith Piaf at all? It's my idol. Really?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I was thinking of Edith Piaf when I was listening to you sing. That's
4: nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Edith Piaf was the iconic French chanteuse, Known for her torch
1: songs and a life beset by tragedy. Oh, that was her favorite singer of all time. She turned me on to EFPF. Piaf. I mean, she just loved it.
0: Mark Brannigan also hears the pain in his sister's voice. She could break your
1: heart with a song,
0: you know, and you'd see she was crying, so. And songwriter Diane Warren says you can't teach that kind of passion.
2: You either have soul and feeling or you don't. And she did.
0: This extra layer, this depth to Laura's voice, she alluded to its roots during a conversation with Joan Rivers.
2: You do a lot of sad songs. What are you drawing? Has your life been sad or I hope not? Do well, it have- has been. You know, I had a, I had a rough time growing up and um, I think I drew, drew a lot off that. It's okay to hurt
0: And it's okay to cry I can't know for sure what Laura is referring to there but one person we haven't talked about is Laura's father.
1: My father was tough. tough. He had been very successful on Wall Street, very successful after World War II. I don't know. By the time we all uh, got to be in the teens, he was he was not in, not in good shape.
4: Her childhood was not all roses. This is her high school friend, Allie Ryerson, again. Her father, who was a a wonderful man,
1: would be gone for a few days and then come back. He he, he would have been better off had he never had a drink in his life. Let's just put it that way. You know? In the liner notes to Self-Control,
0: an album which came out the year after Laura's father died, Laura writes, For Dad, Now I Know You're Listening. Let me read you something. Her unhappy personal life in unadorned, though dramatic style, underlined her expressive voice. And she was able to move audiences with her passionate renditions of songs that were often about love and loss. That's not about Laura Branigan. It's from an encyclopedia entry on Edith Piaf. I'm going to see Laura Branigan tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden, and uh, I have some advice for her. Open and close with Gloria. <laughs> Do it a couple times in between, all right? Thank you that's David much. Spade Maybe. from an old Saturday Night Live. It's a funny bit. While there's so much more to Laura Branigan, she will always be remembered for Gloria. And I don't think that's a bad thing. In one interview, she said, look, I end every concert with Gloria, and people just go crazy. And I bet, I'd like to think that she never resented that.
1: I think she was grateful to sing that song because that's the song that really made her a star. This is Tommy Yoko's. At the end of our set list, we would do self-control,
0: segue into Gloria. In the early 2000s, Laura, after recovering from her injuries, was attempting a comeback 20 years after the release of Gloria. Tommy was in her band. While on tour together, he and Laura started dating. She also started recording a new album and writing a cookbook.
1: The idea towards the end was to have her cookbook, the new CD, and a world tour and hit the world at once. Was she a great cook? Exceptional.
0: At the time, Laura was living on Long Island with her mother, who had
1: developed Alzheimer's. She would take her into recording sessions <laughs> my mother would be there but my sister took her everywhere took her everywhere and in her world it was Laura and everybody was happy And That's so sweet she, she was a sweet person yeah. in
0: the summer of 2004 Laura started getting headaches and then on the morning of August 27th Mark got a call from the caretaker at
1: the house. Nine in the morning, I thought she said, my mother died. And I said, okay, well, let me speak to Lori. And she goes, no, Lori's dead.
0: Laura died of a brain aneurysm after going to sleep the night before. She was 52.
4: Driving on I-95, and I heard the news that Laura Branigan had had died. I pulled off and I called my brother John, and we cried together.
3: You called me that morning when you heard the news. You said, "You know, I'm I'm genuinely sad about this. She was the big star, but she was also ours. It was a personal thing." That's exactly right, and it was a lesson in mortality right? and maybe like the end of our youth in some respect Cause I know
4: you by heart. it was the most beautiful voice it was the most beautiful voice and I remember um, her brother Mark was so angry, he was so angry to have lost her
0: there was a private funeral service for Laura
1: but her mother wasn't there you know, I never told my mother she died. I um, I told her she was in Europe. She was doing tour in California. And we would send our friends envelopes that they would put from different parts of the world to my mother from Lori. Well, why, what, I was going to tell her that her daughter died after losing my older brother. I mean, yeah. That was the compassionate thing to do. Oh, sure. And she never knew.
0: You know, some people think it was a new goalie that brought the
1: St. Louis Blues to victory. But I think it was Laura. When I heard that that um, hockey team was doing it, I I don't follow hockey, I said uh, to myself, they're going to have a run. Because that song has got a lot of, karma behind it you know and so did they end up winning anything I, I... mark they won the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> they won the stanley cup
0: that's amazing and they were in last place they were down in the dumps they heard that song and they said that's going to be the anthem and it went right that's unbelievable you're done good lori She wasn't a one-hit wonder. She hasn't been forgotten. There was something compelling behind that big sound. She sang with power and substance, sadness and warmth. And that voice, it's still here. Next time on Mobituaries, The Orphan Train, and the largest mass migration of children in American history.
4: Well, a quarter million children were moved west from 1854 to 1929. A quarter million
0: people. That's like the population of Cleveland. That's a lot of people. I
4: know, right? deep. <laughs>
0: I certainly hope you enjoyed this mobituary. I ask you to please rate and review our podcast? You can also follow Mobituaries on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Moraka. You can subscribe to Mobituaries wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Mobituaries was produced and edited by Allison Byrne. Our team of producers also includes Megan Marcus, Harry Wood, and me, Mo Rocca. It was engineered by Bart Warshaw. Special thanks to Chris Van Cleave, Atsumi Foreman, Amanda Krieg-Thomas, Alberto Robina, Nathan Miller, Matt Sello, Joe Causey, Kathy Golick, Triumph Brewing Company of New Hope, and the Stanley Cup-winning St. Louis Blues. Indispensable support from Genius Stineski, Richard Rohrer, and everyone at CBS News Radio. Our theme music is written by Daniel Hart. And as always, undying thanks to Rand Morrison and John Carp, without whom mobituaries couldn't live.